Hello and welcome to Come Out and Play, the D&D podcast that's all trans, all the time. My name is Benjamin, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be your DM for this campaign. My name is Moss, I use Z, them pronouns, and I'm playing Ember, who uses they, them pronouns. They are a human paladin of the singing flame. My name is Mel, I use they, them pronouns. I play Trick, who also uses they, them pronouns. Trick is a huge human warrior and Ember's elder sibling. My name is Haz, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Maynard, who uses he, him pronouns, and he is a skittish wizard. I'm Chris, I play Rill, and we both use he, him pronouns. Okay, so, our intrepid adventurers, after much travel and many hardships, have made their way to the island at the center of the world, because of course the world is flat. The world is flat and round. In the center of the world, there is an island. They have reached the monastery called the Spindle, which is a druidic monastery centered around the artifact, I suppose you'd call it, the uh, geographical anomaly called the Spire, which is a spike of very smooth, blue-green, very shiny, shimmering rock coming straight up out of the ground, needle-sharp, about 200 feet high, which is mathematically central to the world and directly beneath the sun at noon. You come here because you heard from your uncomfortable ally, Rothamir, that the druids here might know something about some wizards who, a hundred years ago during the war, travelled through here, apparently, on their way to try and resolve the ancient disaster at Firaxis, which is now the Plaguelands. And this would in some way fix what was done to the world and make it not be slowly ending. That was pretty much all she told you, was that you should come here and ask them about it. So you have come here to pursue in this line of questioning and in ultimately Ember's divinely given quest to stop whatever happened. But you've come here, you have seen the natural wonder of the Spire, struck up a conversation with one of the druids, asked some questions. She went to get the head druid, who has now come to join you in this small stone building it is unfurnished, it has a grassy floor. You've been waiting here, and the drow who you were speaking to earlier has returned in the company of a heavily built orcish woman who has looked over you all and said, I do not think you are really pilgrims. We're well, on a mission I... from God. <laughs> we're here with a purpose. I suppose we're not pilgrims in the traditional sense. Not just pilgrims. Haramakla tells me you have been asking uh, complicated questions with complicated answers that might benefit from a little mutual trust. We have here an artifact which casts, which creates an effect similar to the Zone of Truth spell. You may have heard of it. Mm -hmm. I will be able to speak more easily with you if I use that on all of us. Because before I can... <sighs> From what Paramakla tells me, the questions you are asking touch on closely protected things. And in order to speak on them, I need to know that I can trust you. In order to know that, I need to question you and to know that your answers are honest. Is that acceptable to you all? Seems reasonable. Yes, of course. Very well. Paramakla, would you ensure we are not eavesdropped upon? And the uh, drow nods, doesn't say anything, just nods and turns to step back outside this small building. Sharog comes to sit on the floor with you all and reaches in a pocket and pulls out. It is a crystal orb about 
a size that fits comfortably in the palm. It's a pinkish stone. She holds it out in front of her and with her other hand draws a sigil on the surface of it and it starts to glow and gently pulse and you can all feel the swell of magic that comes out from it. You may, if you wish, make a wisdom save to resist this effect, or you may decide to let it happen. Good. Not resisting. Yeah, I won't either. Really? Yes, I'm not resisting either. So this, this orb drifts up out of her hand under its own power and comes to hover uh, several feet off the floor and fills the room with this gentle pinkish glow. And you all feel this magic just sort of sink into your skin and it tingles for a minute in your mouth and in your throat. And you are aware of its effects. You are aware that while this magic is in effect, you will not be able to knowingly speak a lie. So you know that under this magic, you cannot lie. You cannot say something that you believe to be untrue. It will not force you to speak. And if you speak in ignorance, it will not magically inform you of the truth. So it won't grant you effective omniscience. But you will have to, if you speak, speak truthfully to the best of your knowledge. Very well. My name is Sharok. I am the head druid here at the Spindle. I would like to know who you are. We are, well, I am Ember McGowan. Um, this is my sibling, Trick. Um, our friends, Rill and Maynard. And we are on a holy quest. For which god and what manner of quest? Well... It was given to me by my god. Um, oh my god. I forgot. Singing flame? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was given to me by my god, the singing flame. And it is one of, one of great importance in which we are to stop something from happening. But in order to do that, we have to learn some old truths that have been hidden that we think you might know. Roll me a perception check. Fourteen. Okay. Yeah. You see Sharog's eyes just narrow a little bit in reaction to the mention of old truths, but it's, it's hard to glean anything beyond maybe a degree of recognition of... Mm. of what you maybe might it's hard to be sure but she does not have a perfect poker face and what about the messenger I see you wear its symbol I believe he feels the same as the singing flame and if he doesn't he has not said so in your quest why have you come here why come to the spire to the spindle we were we were told by someone Powerful and knowledgeable that information relating to the answers we seek could be found here, or not be found here, that we'd at least have a place to start finding out what we need to know. We're simply looking for answers. We don't know what's here, we don't know what information we're looking for. We're just trying our best to do right by our quest. Do you intend harm to the spindle by your visit? Not at all. Or to anyone else by means of your visit here? No. no. I would like I would like to know where your loyalties lie, ultimately. I lie with the singing flame. Messenger and the safety of my friends. And not your city. City is included, of course, but involved in this the whole. You? 
my loyalties lie with my friends, and also with the being for who I have pledged a, a, a pact with, which is mysterious and unknown. Sure, that's out of character. I'm not sure that's true. It's not unknown. Well, I don't know uh, how else to explain it in character. So, I guess yeah, no, I, I think you go to say that, and the fact that, you, although you don't understand it, you know who it is, means you can't speak those words. Okay. In, in that case, I, I know it stumbles over those words. Like, I, my loyalties lie with my friends and with the White Forest. Yourself? Oh, well, you know, if we're talking gods and all that, then I suppose I ought to say uh, to the Lord of Falling Waters, but I mean, that that rarely comes up. Um, I, I'm mostly just here to, to see Ember safe. I'm not asking about gods, I'm asking what you put above all else. I trick shrugs and says I mean I don't know that I've ever thought about it in such absolute terms. Like I say, my, my motivation is just to keep Ember safe. I don't know that I've got a better answer than that to give you. Alright. You said you have been tasked with seeing that something never happened again. What's your best guess as to what that thing was? I realise I'm being very vague here. Ah. My duties include protecting something very precious. I don't know if it's related to what you're seeking. So I am trying to understand that as well as how honourable you are before I reveal much about it. That's why I'm asking, what is it that you are tasked with preventing? Whatever happened that started the war is what we're tasked with preventing. I think it might have been a ritual of sort. Was involved as well. As far as anyone knows, the war was caused by infighting amongst the gods by their killing each other. Why would that bring you here? What is it you're looking for? I mean, if I can be blunt... do. Seems to me a lot of what we're looking for is, uh, is is what we're looking is to find out what we're looking for. It doesn't seem like a, well, I mean, the gift of oracle, is, uh, oracular gifts aren't as aren't incredibly precise at the best of times, and um, this is just we're just sort of following a thread here. But you know what we came asking after, at least, and that's sort of the thread we're we're following here, but. If I'm honest, largely, I don't think we've got a clue. You said you were pointed this way by someone. I observe you don't wish to tell me who. We said that no. we wouldn't mention their name. Did they tell you why, or did they just say, go to the spire and ask them, or not, ask them questions? What was the thread they gave you? Because they may have been incorrect. <laughs> I need to know. We're coming... Sorry, go ahead. Like, like we told your um, fellow. I, what, whatever you told Paramakla, tell me as well, please. No, but I, I am. <laughs> like we told your fellow, the wizards who tried to fix the plague lands. Yeah, we were told to come through here. That. Hmm. You are seeking them, or where they came from. I don't think we were expecting to find them so much as just to find out something about them. It was mentioned you might be able to point us in the direction of those that are still alive. You can see a change in expression. It's gone from... There There has always been a, a, a strong confidence in herself and her own judgment. It's more that she's changed from sort of generally trying to get a feel for you to actively weighing something up. I think because I don't have to do a lot of thinking and talking, I am keeping an eye on her because I want to 
I've had it. Expl- we've had this spell explained, and it comes with a sort of intuitive understanding of it, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of looking out for moments where she's, you know, lying by omission or misleading mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I understand now what you have been sent to look for. Let me give you an analogy. You have come to me looking for lions, and I know that they are on the other side of a great desert, and I could tell you the way. I'm not worried about the lions. The lions can look after themselves. But I know, if I send you to them, that on the way there, you will pass the wellspring of a river that feeds vast lands, many nations. And if the location of the spring gets out into the world, then there will be wars and there will be conquests. And sooner or later, one of those warring nations will come and dam it up and it will be a great loss to the world. I'm not worried about the lions, but the river is my concern. Does that make sense? I think I understand. Thank you. So to the end of keeping that safe, I must ask you, have you ever betrayed a trust? Not intentionally. Not that I can really recall. Not purposefully. One time recently I was given some news and all to keep secret from my friends. And I tried. I did lie to them. But it wasn't very long. Barely even two days before I told them the truth anyway. That's the only time I can recall. What hinged upon that secret? How much weight did it carry? The weight of my safety and my peril should people know who I am and what I am. Eyes turn to trick. Um, I think again, trick's kind of quite genuinely more less prepared to give a straight to not like less prepared as in less willing, but less prepared as in less prepared to give a straight answer to the question. Yeah, no, I I guess in a sense less self-assured in Mm. in regards to questions like that. You know, yeah, like. And his, like, genuinely being kind of, like, sat and thinking about it, going, um, I mean, I suppose so. It really depends on how you look at it. Um, <laughs> um, that's a good point. I mean, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to both inhabit trick, which is difficult in itself and then also trick is having trouble with the question <laughs> um, okay like, if, if trick is just sort of stammering and can't think of anything to expand on that's fine yeah trick is kind of like says uh, i mean i suppose i suppose i suppose so you have the look of adventurers about you people who fight is that right you fought before yes I've been a soldier. Have you, as individuals or together, harmed an innocent? Again, not with intention. If innocents have been harmed through our actions, I don't think I'm aware of it. Um, you're very aware of that. Um, Ember. Have you ever like murdered two murdered two parents in front of their child who is in the middle of being kidnapped, for example? Oh, we didn't know. At the time they were not innocent. They yes, were attacking people. You are now aware that they were I think it's fair to say defending their child. Unless I suppose I mean I suppose we will learn your thoughts about Ember's that approach believe that they're not innocent. <laughs> They were, in Ember's eyes, not innocent as they were attacking someone. And Ember's instincts were to defend the person being attacked. That's fair enough. If if, if that's Ember's attitude towards it, I think that's, you know. And then when they found out that they were wrong, they 
decided to raise the child who they left parentless. Yeah, but that's 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 kind of that's by the by to the question of you know. Yeah, I, th- I think I think if Ember gen- genuinely believes that what they're saying is true, that that's their moral judgment, then I think you know that qualifies as the spell will not stop them saying that. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. But Sherog is still kind of looking expectantly at the rest of you, like this is an important question that they want answers to. She's she's clearly not unaware that all of you are being as evasive as you can. I'm not. Actually, that's fair. You're not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never harmed anything that, to my knowledge, was innocent. I would uh, say the same as the other two, not to my knowledge, purposefully. Um... I mean, never out of malice. Then why? Ooh. Well, I mean, I've said, um, see, where I'm from, there's an amount of, of, um, skirmishing and rustling that goes on between people, and sometimes people do get hurt in the crossfire. Uh, I can't say that I'm proud of it, but I sort of spread my hands as if that's the way yeah. of the world. <laughs> yeah. Shirog appears to be kind of weighing up the things you've been saying and says, and bear in mind, she's saying this under a zone of truth spell. I don't know if I can trust you. No, we're speaking the truth. And as little of it as you can. What else would you yeah. like us to say then? I am tasked with protecting a sacred thing. I do not wish to expose it to people who may be bribed or threatened or careless enough to expose it to the world. And I do not know if you are that kind of people. They are people who follow through with what we are tasked. And if we are tasked with keeping a secret, that is something that we would endeavor to do, to keep. Um, I feel like I feel like I want some kind of collective persuasion role. Uh, okay. Then you shall get it. Ah. Sixteen. Five. <laughs> Eleven. I don't even know that Trick should contribute because I think I'm not Let's sure. Roll anyway, please. Uh, okay, okay. No, no means. Uh. Oh, see, I told you. I told okay. you they were reluctant. Okay, so I think it's fair to say that collectively that was shit. <laughs> yeah, not great. <laughs> I feel like a four, a five, and was it 11 and a 16? So we're being at turns cagey and undescriptive enough. Yeah, that's... and you you can see in her face that you've just come and going, hi, we're some shifty assholes who are not willing to tell you what is up or to pers- like, persuade you that we are trustworthy. And you should probably throw us out on our ear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do not wish to distrust you, but... You are not really making a case for yourselves here. Tell me who you are at the heart. Tell me what you want. I want to keep the world safe. That's ultimately what my quest is about, what our quest is about. Mm. I mean, I've told you as plainly as I think I can. I'm not a complicated person. I would be happy if I could keep if I could keep if I could keep me and mine safe and and that means, and that means Ember, and that means helping Ember out on their quest. And well, I can't speak for myself, but I can speak for them. We are ordinary people who have become wrapped up in something absolutely extraordinary that encompasses the fate of all that live in this world. And all we want to do is 
to do our best to make sure that the worst doesn't happen and be part of this this grand destiny that's been thrust upon us to the best of our ability. We're just trying to do what we can. We don't have any ulterior motives or, or secret devious wants. We are just people. We are vehicles for a quest. If it seems like that we are untrustworthy, I'm I'm truly sorry we can't seem to convince you otherwise, but you have to. Well, you, I hope that you believe that we are earnest. That's all that we can be. I mean, that's, let's put that briefly. We're being, well, jerked around by the... We're being jerked around by the gods, or at least one god. And, well, we're at least sincerely trying to do what's wanted of us. If I show you the way, will you promise me that for the sake of the river, you will not tell the world about the lions? Absolutely. Yes. I promise. I'll swear to that. All right. The next stitch in your thread, I think, is at the base of the spire. There will be pilgrims in the temple until midnight. Meet me there a little after, and I will show you. Thank you. Sincerely. She reaches up and plucks the uh, the crystal orb out of the air, and the, the light goes out and the spell is dismissed. And thank you for your candor. I will see you tonight. Indeed. She takes Takes her leave and just sort of leaves you sitting there in this room. Is the drow left as well? Um, no, you hear just a quiet exchange of words between them outside, and then the, the drow reappears in the doorway and says, I'm told you are to be our guests for the rest of today. You are free to wait here if you wish, or to explore the grounds and the island. Or if you have any questions about the place, I will be happy to answer them. I mean, if there's anywhere particular you'd like me to pasture the horse only, I, mean, I don't want to rip up the grass somewhere that's meant to be kept nice, is all. <laughs> I, I can show you a place, yes. So, Real has questions, but they're all, like, very mundane. What is this rock, and how long has it been here, and is it carved, and what about you know the drow in the area it's all very not terribly important to the moment yeah so so Paramakla will will lead you a little way probably half a mile or so away from this main temple to some extremely green pastures uh with actual fences which you haven't seen a lot of fences or enclosures on this island um but when you are pasturing dumb animals Evidently, there is some utility in actually fencing in the pasture. And there's a, a ragtag of mainly horses, at least in this particular field, uh, with tack and, and blankets. The general vibe is definitely some of the pilgrims or the longer-term visitors have horses, rather than the monastery has a herd of horses, if you see what I mean. These so, are guest horses. Yeah, this is the guest pasture for the guest horses. It's the car park. <laughs> uh, I think after while she's showing us to where you know we're supposed to uh, keep the horse and everything uh, Real's going to ask so Spire what sort of rock is this it's not familiar to me as far as we can tell it's unique this is the only place you'll see it and you won't see pieces of it either it's all one thing and Harder than diamond. There are no no one has ever cracked a piece off. It's just this building. Well, the the building is is just marble. Uh, no, the the it's the spire itself is. Right. I mean, it's just the spire. There's not um, outcroppings of it, or not that anyone's found. No. Mm. People have looked. 
But if if it was <sighs> built, it's a mystery as to how. It's been here since... Gives you a slightly knowing look. Well, who can say how long forever has been? But it's been here since before records began. Impressive. And when has... How uh, long have the... Um, how long have the druids here been building around it, I, I suppose? The monastery is older than writing, but hasn't always had sole control of the island. It's always been a place that mattered to people on our path. Uh, but I have to admit to you, people on my path have tended to write things down a little less than people on yours. Unfortunate. <laughs> the general accepted view is that it is immutable, that it has always been here as as, as the centre of what is. Do any gods lay claim to it? No. No, and we they've been asked. No, it's it's they don't claim to have created it or that it's belongs to any one of them. It's they more or less treat it like the island, if you see what I mean. Just part of the landscape. Mm. But it is at the centre of things, and that is what brings the people here. There's something about knowing where you stand. Fascinating. It would be... Uh, it is disconcerting to be so... feels closer to the sun, I suppose. It's nerve-wracking. Yes, the shadows take a while to get used to. The light here is different to anywhere in the world. And she looks up at the sky in a way that with your your eyes would be deeply uncomfortable. Oh yeah, Rill has his parasol out now that they're back outside. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could fly like wizards and just go and balance on the very top of it. Be surrounded Can't. by Well, I can turn myself into something that can fly. But that's different from doing it as my own self. I, I look at... I, I give I give Maynard a meaningful look. Maynard's just been sort of looking around dozily. like, oh, um... I, do you, you know, I could do that for you if you wish. Give you this, like, shocked look of someone who was speaking theoretically. I... That would be wonderful, thank you. Yes, Please. I would like that. You've been more than accommodating for us and our strange requests. It's the least I can do. He um says a says a few words and makes some hand gestures and touches her gently on the shoulder, giving her the spell fly. He puts out her arms, not not doesn't raise them up like wings, but just has her hands out like someone who's not sure of their balance. And raises up above the Wait, ground. It wears off. It wears off. Maynard, you're going to need a way to warm them. Uh, yes, you have ten minutes. Oh, uh, well, the spire is... <laughs> like, how fast can I fly half a mile? <laughs> Very <laughs> quickly. It's more than enough time. Yes, and you can dive with this one. They're fun. Fine. Forgive me if I only have ten minutes. I don't wish to waste them. I... Do you have what you need? Will you be all right? We'll be fine. I'll stand, I'll stand outside and I watch you and uh, make sure that the spell's still going. All right. Um, I believe Sh Sharog told you to meet her later. I would recommend you come prepared for a journey. And then she just zips off at the full <laughs> 60 feet per round of the fly spell because she wants to go and stand on the top of the spire before the spell wears off and she's half a mile away. She doesn't go very high. She's like three feet above the ground, just zipping along. And occasionally you lose sight of her as the road sort of winds between trees. And then after, you know, several minutes, probably more than five minutes, and you know the spell is still going because you can feel that you're still concentrating on it, Maynard, but you can't really see her. You see this 
distant small figure just drifting up the side of the white marble temple and across the dome and then zipping up the 200 feet of the spire until she is right at the needle-pointed top and then floating above it and the head tilts back and she just stays there just staring up at the sky uh, and until there is barely enough in, in fact no she just stays there staring up at the sky until you realize the spell is about to end and you she's too far away for you to oh warn no her. Oh, so no. you feel the spell drop, but it's okay because the fly spell has a built-in thing where you basically feather fall at the end of it. So you feel the spell drop and she just sort of drifts vertically downwards down the length of the spire and disappears into the dome through the hole at the top. That's an entrance. <laughs> it is a pretty cool entrance. People are going to go home with a story about the amazing flying drow who fell out of the sky. <laughs> okay, are there any preparations that you wish to make before your midnight, your uh, just after midnight meeting? No, I mean, I think so we were already packed up for a journey. Yeah, I'll leave the horse to guard my bulkier stuff. Like, we're going down, right? You have not been told where you're going. She says something about the base of the spire, like, I'm not expecting to go on, you know, a mission. So, I figure I leave my bulkier stuff with the horse to look after. Okay. I don't think you really go on a religious journey in armour. I mean, paladins accepted. <laughs> okay, so you can pass a very pleasant afternoon and evening in the lush environs of this monastery with the you know no, there's grass to sit on and shade to sit in and fruit on the trees and really what more could you ask for and it gets dark early which to real at least is a relief it's a clear night and the stars are gorgeous it's just a little chill in the air and as it comes up towards midnight you make the short journey back to the temple and there isn't, and there are no shadows moving to warn you this time. There's no sun in the sky to perfectly align with the spire. But even so, at the stroke of midnight, as you're walking down towards it, for a few seconds, it lights up in that same shimmering glow as it did at noon. And this wonderful blue-green radiance sheds out across the land but it's only five seconds maybe ten and then it fades and there's just dark rock against the dark sky and you can see the people who stayed up to watch that drifting out of the temple and finding their way to sleeping quarters but you make your journey in and you you wait probably 20 minutes before everyone else has finished their contemplations and left the building. And then you see the heavy figure of Shirog walking towards you, sets her staff on the ground, leans on it, looks at you, looks at your faces. I'm putting a great trust in your hands. Please do not make me regret it. We won't. Thank she you goes, for your trust. She goes to a particular spot on the floor, not right up against the base of the spire. A little way out. Maybe, maybe 20 feet out from the base of the spire. And she kneels and sets her palm on the ground and closes her eyes. And the stone under her hand ripples like water and opens up and where there was solid floor there is now a square opening and you can see a ramp inside 
gently curving ramp descending under the floor of the temple. The wizards you are seeking came up this way. I believe you will wish to go down. This is called the Great Ascent. It was built a long time ago. You'll know when you've reached the bottom. Is there anything we should be prepared for? Not all of it is in the best repair, and the denizens of the Underdark may have come a little too close. Keep your eyes peeled. Will do. Thank you. I will shut this behind you, but when you come up at noon or at midnight, there is a stone here. And she points and, and on the wall of the passage inside, there has been inset a, a, a dull greenish rock carved with this a rough arcane symbol. This stone has a pair in one of the monastery buildings, and there will always be someone prepared to hear you at noon or midnight by that other stone. And someone will come and open for you. Thank you. We appreciate I wish you luck with your quest. I think it is important. Ember sort of bows their head and shifts their bag up and starts headed down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've asked her and, and uh, says, your trust means so much to us. Thank you. Looks with some relief the uh, deep, dark hole we're tromping <laughs> into. <laughs> uh, he does cast one last look at the, the moon overhead uh, before he goes down. Mm-hmm. And did I Is... really badly misunderstand? Should I have definitely brought my armor and general adventuring gear? You, you were told what you were told, and you made a decision based on, on the literal words that were said to you. I didn't, I didn't uh, misremember I... anything then. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, you were told, come prepared for a journey. Oh, shit, I completely forgot that. I very <laughs> okay, I thought Trick had decided that clearly this is some kind of, like, pilgrimage journey that I don't need to... No, no, I just remembered the thing down the, the spiritual place. spiritual going... <laughs> journey. I feel yeah, like given no. I've got a bunch of people around me who aren't... Someone probably said, hey, Trick, we're supposed to be going on a journey. <laughs> hey, Trick, do you want to bring all your shit? Okay, so rewinding, Trick does in fact have all of their stuff. <laughs> I do have all my stuff, I didn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was me just, like, out of character going, no thoughts, head empty. That's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. To, I was, I was going to be like, well, this will be interesting, but I'm also happy for it to be, you have your armor <laughs> with you. That's also good. <laughs> Trick is very sensible. Trick is very sensible and Mel is very tired. Listen, I've had a day of it. You have had a day of it. Okay. So, it occurs to me, Ember has just tromped forward into the darkness or I presume darkness is is, is it in fact it, it is dark there's... and I, you, you walk in and, and you sort of there's a little light from the moonlight filtering down at first mm-hmm. and then you, you reach maybe 30 feet in and there's this very gentle grinding noise <laughs> And it goes dark as the door is closed behind you. At which point, I assume, Rill puts his dancing lights up. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Maybe it takes him a second to be like, oh, right, this again. Then... <laughs> you observe the panic on Ember's face and you're like, oh, yeah, it's night blindness. <laughs> he flicks his fingers and, and dancing oh, balls of light. You heard of the goddamn cantrip. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. It's a racial trait. <laughs> it's a racial trait. <laughs> For a race with dogfish. Yeah. Yeah. For a race that lives underground. It, listen, we can only see dark visions in black and white. Sometimes you need to be able to see you things in color. color. Yeah. It's very funny as well. So, real cast lights. You are. You find yourselves on a curving ramp. It's looks like natural stone, like it's been carved out of the rock. It's ten feet wide, and the five feet on the inner side of the curve, the floor is raised. So this hallway is at two levels, 
on the outer side, it's about seven feet high. So it's not generous for trick, but they do fit. And then on the inner side, the floor is raised about two and a half feet. The curve's fairly gentle. The slope is noticeable, but not excessive. And above you, there is just 20 feet of, of ramp to what you know to be the floor of the temple. And below you, it continues around the curve. There's decorative, there's decoration in the carving. It's not just a plain, smooth walls. The walls have these abstract patterns flowing along them. Sometimes they're like arches and sometimes they're like waves or spirals or curlicues. Just all flowing along down it. Can we uh, recognize the... art style? I was literally about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> both, of you, both of you can roll me history checks. Nice. 19 for me. 25. Okay, yeah. Um, it's not directly elvish, but there are resemblances. So you wouldn't look at this and go, this is elvish art. But it does look influenced by it. Interesting. Um, do we see any structural damage as we keep going? You start descending, and it looks it looks pretty good. It looks pretty solid. It looks pretty it looks pretty dusty. But you're not you're not seeing you know no no big cracks, no missing chunks, anything like that. You do notice pretty quick that this is circular that this this must be a spiral ramp because it continues to have a consistent curve in that one direction and it must be spiraling and keep going and you keep going and after about a mile of horizontal distance just as you're realizing that your ankles and your calves are not used to walking on a constant downhill slope this way. You find, and now importantly, the ramp clearly continues. This is not any kind of end to it. The ramp continues to have a consistent downward curving slope. It is uninterrupted. But there is an open chamber on the inside of the curve reaches all the way across. And the wall on that inside has been pierced and carved into arches and windows and openings so that you can see into the chamber and then about halfway down on the curve you, you there is an actual an opening large enough to walk through. There's a doorway. It's a chamber about 40 feet across and in the center of it is a 15-foot section, vertical section, of the same smooth, shimmering, green-blue stone of the spire. Looks just like it did above ground, but you've come a ways down by now. The chamber is otherwise empty. So the spire crystal down here, it's conical and pointing downwards rather than... No, it is... Cylindrical. Oh. Ooh. It is continuing down. to descend out of the ceiling and into the floor cool. identically to how it came into the floor on the surface. Hmm. That's, that's uh, smooth in the same way that the spire uh, above ground is smooth. It doesn't yeah. have any carvings in it or anything. No, it's not. It is not adorned. Well, unless we need a rest, I say we keep going. Yeah. Okay. So you you set off on this descent just after midnight. And you walk downhill. You walk for an hour. You walk for two hours. Two in the morning. You've passed more of these chambers at a fairly regular pace. Every 20 minutes or so, you'll see one of these chambers. And in all of them, 
the rock column of the spire is still present. It is it is descending with you. At about quarter past two on this descent, you you see the the outer wall of this passageway cease to be a solid and decorated and engraved wall and become pierced and windowed like the walls of the chambers have been. So you can see now out from the ramp into what looks like a large natural cavern which smells like moving air. And unfortunately, you don't have the best sight lines because this is a spiral ramp with a solid Ah. middle most of the way. So you come around the curve and the first thing you see is that a stretch of this windowed balustrade has been broken. And the second thing you see is the coal-bright eyes and the glowing cracks in the ashy skin of some kind of creature which is hunched on the ramp. And it opens its jaws to reveal a flaming maw. And when we come back next episode, we'll roll initiative. That's amazing. Every time, Finally. every time I go on holiday, <laughs> something like this happens to me. You've been listening to Come Out and Play, an all-trans real play podcast. We'd like to thank our generous patrons for making this possible, especially our £20 and up patrons, Alexandria. To join them and get early access to our bonus episodes, check us out at patreon.com slash coapcast. You can find all our free episodes at comeoutandplay.games or wherever you get your podcasts. Given that animals don't, I think, have an astral body, like, it seems reasonable to manifest them like an object. Well, why shouldn't horses also have an astral body? Maybe, we don't know if they have souls or not. I think we know that they don't have souls. Do we? I don't know, I think that's a... I mean, I'm sure there would be worldly literature on it, but I don't know if any of us would know that. Well, that's fair, I suppose. Oh, you're a priest! Ain't you a priest? <laughs> yeah. Opens his mouth to, to talk about the delineation between uh, humanoids and animals as far as priesthood goes, and then looks into the face of a, a lava puppy. <laughs>